what you have to do is unique to you. And there's something special you have that no one else has. So focus on that and stop looking at everyone else because you are one of one. So be one of one. Welcome to the Core Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Banks, a mindset and positive psychology coach. On this podcast, we discuss all things related to creating happiness from within. So let's do it. Welcome back to Core Happiness. Today, we are joined by Dr. Brianna Gaynor, a licensed psychologist based in Georgia who specializes in treating children, adolescents, and families in her private practice called at Peace of Mind Psychological Services. Dr. Gaynor focuses on diagnosing and treating various mental health disorders, offering psychological evaluations for issues like depression, anxiety, trauma, and behavioral disorders. But the thing that sets Dr. Gaynor apart is her passion about connecting with people, and she infuses humor and kindness into her unique approach. Today, Dr. Gaynor is going to join us to share insights on mental health, resilience, and finding peace in every circumstance, which we all need. So I am so excited about this conversation. Dr. Gaynor, thank you so much for joining us on Core Happiness. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I always like to start off talking a little bit more about yourself. What got you into working with mental health? What got you into your own practice? But more specifically, too, I want to talk about the fact that you're a female founder. And what characteristics and traits you think helped with being a female founder, especially of a minority female founder, and being a successful entrepreneur? Thank you. Nice to hear that. I think it's really, you know, we're talking about resilience. It's about being able to push through despite the difficulties. It's about not giving up despite it being hard. And so if I had to say probably the biggest trait I think kind of leads to entrepreneurship and being able to do things in spaces where The way we look is not the norm, being willing not to give up. And I think the other thing is knowing that this is something you're passionate about wanting to do. I tell people all the time, like, we have to get up and go to work. We spend a lot of time at work. So you need to love what you do. And when you don't, that has always been something that made me sad that people just hate going to a certain place, don't want to be there because we spend so much of our energy and our time away from our loved ones It's important to have that passion for life, to know that you're doing something that is beyond you, that's really making a difference in other people's lives. And is that what inspired you to get into working with mental health? So funny story. I knew I wanted to be a psychologist from middle school simply because people would ask me for advice. And I was like, oh, I'm good at that. I'm going to be a psychologist, not really knowing really what it entailed. And then in high school, there was a psychology class But the teacher didn't let me enroll because all the problem students were in there. So I ended up not getting that experience, but I still had psychology in my mind. I went to my first class in college and just loved it. So connecting with people, being able to help people, I think that was kind of the core of it. And then, like I said, that first class, I was hooked. I was like, yep, this is it. I don't know that I really knew what it all entailed, but I've loved it forever. Perfect. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I know we talk about resilience and one of the things, and this comes up a lot too with my clients and coaching, but one of the things that comes up is I think there's a misconception when it comes to resilience. And a lot of people think that resilience is sort of having to push down any type of feeling, right? I have to be strong. I I can't feel these feelings at this moment. 
which is not sustainable. But according to you, I would love to hear your definition of what resilience means, especially in the context of mental health. I think it's about being able to deal with and go through adversity in a positive way. And I think positive can really be based on the person. But I think in general, it's about not giving up. It's about giving yourself the space, the space to feel what you feel. It's about sometimes walking away, but it's about knowing what the bigger picture is and knowing you're going to come back to it. You know, there are times when we're all frustrated about things. There are times when I'm just like, I, I don't want to people today. I don't want to talk to anyone, but I know I'm going to go back to work next week. And I know I love it. I just need a break. So I think the other part, too, is trusting yourself and what you need. A lot of times we tend to kind of push that back. I know I need a break. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I don't want to answer that call, whatever it is. Trusting your instincts enough to say, I know when enough is enough so that I have the energy to keep going later on. Yeah. I think that's very important, especially when you just said taking a break. I think so many times we know, we feel, we yeah. have the intuition of, okay, I need to take a break. I need to give myself some space. But then we also feel like, well, I got to keep going. Yep. <laughs> I got to push through. That's what really means of being pushing through. So I love the fact that you said, actually, it's giving yourself some space. Yeah. So that you can keep going. Yeah. But to just keep going without taking a break, without acknowledging how you feel that is a very faulty way to live. It's a, it's a way that a lot of us have grown up with. But I think that we're the generation that needs to kind of change that a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're the ones who are saying, you know what? I think mental health is important. I think it is important to talk about our feelings. Like if we're the ones that's going to change something, we can't keep doing the things that everyone else did that didn't work for them, that burnt them out, that led to substance abuse issues, that led to early deaths that led to just burnout and they couldn't do anything else that led to anger and frustration all of these bad impacts that we've seen happen like let's do something different mm -hmm. yeah and I know you said that you know how you deal with resilience and how you bounce back in the face of adversity will vary depending on the person but can you give us examples of how resilience can contribute to a positive state of mind during challenging times? So I'll, I'll give you a personal example. So I lost my mom almost nine years ago. Hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And I remember breaking down after work, but there was something inside of me, work ethic or whatever. I had just started my business a year ago. And what I knew is this was important and this was a part of my purpose. And it was a sense of responsibility that I had a strong desire to do. It was important to me. I wanted to build it. I knew that I was passionate about it, but I was grieving. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was about do what you need to do, get into therapy, go home and cry, but then, okay, let's collect ourselves. And then we go on and collect ourselves doesn't mean that I'm not crying or I'm not grieving, but it also means I'm also able to look at the bigger picture of why this practice is important, why I want to do this, and let me also do the things I need to do to continue that. And so in that, I'm still taking care of myself, but I also know there's this other bigger purpose. So how do I adjust to do both of them well? So I'm asking for help. I started to see that you know, as we're getting busier, let me bring some more practitioners in. Let me not put all this pressure on myself so that I can have that space to be a business owner, to take care of myself, to not get burnt out, to take care of my emotional needs. So being able to do all the things, and it's not always going to go perfectly, but what's the bigger purpose of this? And how do I make both of these things work well? 
Yeah, I like that you used that example in particular because I think grief is a big one. And grief can be in various forms. I know people grieve obviously losing a loved one. They can grieve losing a job. There's various forms of grief. And I think when you are in that moment of grief, that's when probably one of the biggest examples of facing adversity. And you just feel like, I don't know what to do. And so I love that you used that example only because I think there's also a misconception around grief. And we think that grief is just going to shrink down and we're going to be able to function at some point. But that actually isn't the truth, right? Like, I mean, there's people have done studies about this. And it's the fact that we grow around grief. Like grief remains the same. We grow around it and we learn to deal and function in a new way. And I like that you said it's getting help when you know you need the help or extra support or anything that you need in that moment. Absolutely. Because I think for me, being in this profession did not prepare me for that. I was like, I have no idea what to do with this at all. And so it it, it was no longer Dr. Gator. It was Brianna who just lost her mom. I need someone to help me. Tell me what to do. Help me. Let me figure out what this looks like. And so, you know, I think at the very core, we are very human. Mm -hmm. And so what do we need to help us be our best selves outside of everything else? And once we can figure out what that is, we can be our better selves for all the other things that we're meant to do in life. But it has to start with me. And I had to figure out what me needed to do. Because if I wasn't good, I wouldn't have been able to continue to build this practice almost 10 years later. Are there any specific uh, techniques or mindsets that help to enhance resilience in the face of adversity? I think one of the biggest things is what's the purpose? Really focusing on, okay, why am I wanting to do this in the first place? Why is this important? Sometimes we lose focus because there are so many little things that just come up. Life is just that way. <laughs> um, and also remembering that there's going to be setbacks. I, I still have to continue to remind myself that, oh, yeah, there are slow times. It's almost like I have amnesia every year. And then I'm like, okay, wait. <laughs> This is how business goes. Like, why do you have? But that's what it is. Know that things are going to, because I think that we can look at what the purpose is, but sometimes we really get discouraged by the little things. But knowing that, you know, every great thing comes with a few setbacks. Failure is kind of a part of it too. It's not all up and up and up. But those lessons, I think the hardest lessons, the, the biggest mistakes I've made in hiring people, like, some of maybe the downfalls or the pitfalls I've had and some of just with clients or all the things in the practice have helped me to learn lessons that I would have never learned otherwise. And I didn't like it, but it's embracing the fact that there are going to be difficulties, but you can get through it. It doesn't last forever. What is the overall purpose of this? And who's in my corner to help me? Who can I talk to and go to? Because none of us live in isolation. And if we don't seek out support and allow people to help us, then we're at a disadvantage. I have a group of friends. We are all entrepreneurs and we meet and talk. Now, we don't meet as often as we used to, but now we take bigger vacations. But if I have a question, I'm going to call one of them. Even if it's not a question, I'm going to complain because nobody understands business owning the way they do. My other friends, they try, but they don't get it because they're not business owners. So we need those people that we can lean on to kind of help uh, give us encouragement and to remind us that it's going to be okay. Yeah, that's very important. And even on this podcast, I say that a lot. It's about the people you surround yourself with. Having a support system, whether it is personal, professional, 
a mentor, whatever it is, is extremely important just for mental health, mental clarity, physical health, emotional health. I mean, all the things, all the things, like I say, life keeps lifing, right? And there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. And that's just the way things go. And I'm glad that you actually said that because it's a reminder that even when we are in the ebb, right, and we are in that down position or moment, it can feel like amnesia. And we do have to just remind ourselves that I will get through this. It will be okay. It's okay. Exactly. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's okay to not be okay in this moment because it will get better. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is I know that you talk about the three A's when it comes to just navigating through difficult times. Can you tell us a little bit about the three A's? Yeah, the first one is acknowledgement. So let me go through acknowledge first. We have to acknowledge what is the issue, kind of what's going on. A lot of times we're struggling with things and we we haven't really identified what's going on. You know, there are times when we have emotions and we're just like, what the heck? What is this? I don't know what's going on. So taking time to take some inventory and just to really acknowledge what the heck is going on, I think is really important. And then ask. I think that is one of, and I'll be very honest, one of the most difficult things that I struggle with is asking for help because I grew up with a single mother who was, who had a long-term chronic illness, but was going to walk the train station, even though she could hardly walk, she was going to do it all by herself. And I remember being so frustrated with her, but I tell people all the time, kids notice more what you do than what you say. So I do it, even though I would fuss at her for doing it. So I think asking for help is so important because it helps us to also lean into those relationships we have and to know that we're not alone. And then being able to accept the help or accept that maybe the people we ask aren't going to give us help. So asking and getting the support is important, but accepting whatever happens and knowing that, again, you'll figure that out too, but maybe it's time to kind of take inventory of what support you have versus you don't have. And so I think that those are important, all of them. I like that because it's acknowledging asking and accepting. And I think you're right. The first two are the hardest. I had someone recently who said to me, I can acknowledge, but I can't ask. Because then when I ask, it's acknowledging to other people that I need help and I don't want to look like I'm not strong or I'm weak and and they come to me for help. So if I go to them for help, then they're going to stop coming to me for help. And I had to explain that Usually, that's not the way relationships work, right? Like, as you said, it helps to strengthen relationships when you ask for help. And it shows, obviously, we're all human. And giving that person that comes to you all the time and constantly asks for help, but going to that person and asking for help actually helps to strengthen that bond. And I think that we feel like it's a a sense of weakness when really I think it's a sense of strength. Acknowledging it's a sense of strength and asking is a sense of strength. I think we need to redefine what strength means, really. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the problem. I agree. Like I said earlier, it's people, at least when I talk to them and I say resilience, it's like, well, I'm just tired of being strong. Yeah. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. We need to redefine what strength is because that's not the strength is and that's not what resilience is. 
Um, are there any daily habits or practices that we can do to stay motivated during times of change or to help us foster a sense of resilience or even like we talked about the amnesia, like to help us remember? I think journaling is so important. I love yes. being able to read what happened two years ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because, again, we tend to forget all the things. And I think journaling is a way of being able to look back and see how far you've come. So the first thing that came to my mind when you asked that question was gratefulness. But I think sometimes that can be a little short-sighted because we're not necessarily looking at the bigger picture. And especially when you're in a difficult time, it's really hard to muster all that up, to be grateful for all the little things. Sometimes it's really about the mood you're in that I think will dictate how grateful you can be that day. So I don't think that always works. But I think being able to have a record to go back, whether it's through a journal or through videos, if you have them, or pictures, but being able to see the progression is a reminder of how far we've come. You know, people sometimes do vision boards a lot to kind of see what that looks like. Like, how far have you gotten with that? But all those goals, I think stepping back and seeing where we are versus where we're not is probably one of the most important things. And I think another big thing that I am still working on is bedtime routine. Like, what do you do at night to get things off of your brain? Because when we can start off fresh, it really helps to have a new perspective. But I know for myself, when I'm up in the middle of the night thinking about all the things that I can't change at 2 a.m., but I'm just thinking about them. And then I get up with that same energy, it carries on. So how mm. do I let some of this go? And so, you know, one of the things that's been really helpful for me is stretching, which somebody mentioned it a few years ago, and I was like, stretching, huh? But relaxing my body, taking a bath before I go to bed, aromatherapy. I had this little box that my office manager gave me, and it says, give it to God. And it's like a little box that I open and I just write things down on there like how what are the things that I could just physically like here now try not to pick them back up but all these things are symbolic of kind of letting some things go and I think that is probably a really big deal because how we can we let that day go when there's a hard day so that this doesn't become how Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday are then it's kind of really hard to get out of that it's funny that you talked about gratitude as well, because I think that's one of the things that I try to remind people of is to be grateful for how far you've come. And I think it's, again, going back to that amnesia, we tend to lose sight of, we get through a difficult time and we're like, whoo, got through it. That's done. It may have been yeah. traumatic. I'm going to just put it out of my mind. But then we get out of adversity again and then we forget. And so one of the things I do in coaching too is just tell me about a time where you overcame a challenge. And then usually it's like, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember being in this situation before or having this feeling before. But then the more we talk about it, it comes out. And then I'm like, so you did experience it. And they're like, oh yeah, I forgot. I blocked it out. And then they have the remembrance of, I did get through it. I, I did face a difficult time and I got through it. And so having some gratitude for at least acknowledging that you have come this far, that you have had many adversities, despite what they are and despite whether it's personal, professional, whatever it is, and you've gotten through it. Mm -hmm. And gratitude, I think it can mean different things to different people, but it has such a huge impact on mental health. And so I was actually going to ask you about practicing gratitude. 
Mm -hmm. I think it's super important that we don't do enough, myself included, but I'm trying to be grateful for the things that we take for granted. So a lot of times I'm talking to friends and I'll say, yeah, this is such a first world problem. I am complaining about, I don't want to eat this chicken tonight. Like, come on. (laughs) And the fact that we have those options, like just like being grateful. Sometimes I try to just be grateful for the basic things that we take for granted. Like I slept safely last night. Nobody came in and hurt me. Like I have a warm home, you know, I have clothes to wear. I just was able to donate four bags of clothes to an organization. Like the little things that I think we take for granted that everyone's not able to have. I could pay my mortgage every month. You know, that's a blessing. So we are well taken care of in a lot of ways that maybe we don't fully take in. And I think those little things are huge. Now, obviously, bigger things are great, too. There are people who love me. There are people who don't have friendships. But I have people who love me, who are here for me, who support me. Like, these are big deals. And I think that the things that sometimes we take for granted, if we could stop and appreciate it, it would make us much happier. And I also think that we're also all a lot more resilient than we think we are. I think we tend to think, well, I just, you know, I push through because I have to. That's what you have to do. But you don't have to. Some people don't. And so sometimes we just need to give ourselves credit for what we've been able to do. We need to give ourselves credit because I think sometimes we're waiting for others to affirm and validate us and tell us how great we are. And then what happens with that is we keep waiting and pulling for that. And when it doesn't happen, it doesn't feel good. But why don't we start doing that for ourselves? You did Mm -hmm. it. In ways that a lot of people weren't able to, like giving ourselves credit for the things that we just think are normal, they aren't. They're pretty extraordinary. And I think if we could take the time to just give ourselves appreciation, I think it would make a big difference overall. Absolutely agree. I think self-compassion is something that comes up often in coaching, and it's because there's usually a lack of it. We tend to be very sympathetic towards other people and we tend to give the benefit of the doubt. And we tend to sometimes, even if there's not a reason to give a benefit of the doubt, we still will find reasons and excuses to be like, oh, well, let's give them a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. But then when we look at ourselves, we tend to be so hard on ourselves and there doesn't seem to be that same grace given. And we don't seem to treat ourselves like, we would a friend. Not at all. And that's one of the things I tell people. If we're thinking about how to build our self-confidence, the things that you say about yourself to yourself, would you say that about the people you're closest to? Mm-hmm. If you would not, then we need to kind of reevaluate that. Because that's not good. Let's start to treat ourselves the way we treat the people we love the most because we go to bat for them. We're going to be compassionate. We're forgiving. No, no, no. You don't say that about yourself. But we are our harshest critics. What makes us different? We're all human. What makes us different from them? One of the things you talk about is the culture of resilience and seasons of change. But within that, there's also the stress aspect of it, right? And I think that's why a lot of people don't like change. Whoops. I can't control it. It's the unknown. I don't know what to expect. And that stresses me out. And so what is the one thing that you think can help with managing stress? in everyday life from a mental health standpoint. Just breathe. Sometimes we get so worked up and taking a moment to breathe and relax our body so we can think clearly, I think is extremely important because 
Our heart rate is up. We're not thinking clearly. It's impacting everything. It's increasing the stress that my body is tight and all the things, all the racing thoughts stop and breathe. Let your body calm down so that your brain will follow because our brain is really kind of reacting to what our body is telling us. We're in danger. This is not okay. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh. But that's when we don't think clearly and we're not able to really assess the situation. So sometimes we just kind of need to stop. I think it's really important that we respond rather than react. So I'm definitely someone who can be a reactor, but I'll have my little hissy fit by myself and then I'll think about it and then I'll say stuff to people. But I need to have that moment, but I'm not going to show my initial reaction is going to be alone because I know it's probably not how I want to respond. I just need to get that out. So that's okay too. But I'm going to take a moment before I respond or try to deal with something or make a quick decision that's not going to be the best because I'm reacting out of emotion. And I think when we don't calm down to breathe, we're reacting out of emotion and Although our emotions are guides, they're not always the best in terms of guiding us, depending on what they are at the moment. I have not heard that before. I love it. I love the respond or react because response is more thought out. It's calm. It's from a place of just being more aware and reaction is just, it's kind of, it's quick. It's spontaneous and Usually after a reaction, we have a tendency to then think about it later and we're like, oh, I wish I would have reacted a different, you know. And just giving yourself the space to have that reaction, but in the moment, kind of knowing where that goes. So if I know I'm a reactor, let me, let me just step away and do what I need to do and then come back to it. But knowing if there's something that's going to catch me off guard, I don't need to probably be in front of a bunch of people. I need to just take a moment and then come back to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there a way to differentiate between healthy stress and unhealthy stress? I think that it's really probably based on how it's impacting you. You know, there are pressure and deadlines and things we need to get done that we're motivated to do and we feel good about doing. And then other things that bog us down and create extra physical pressure, maybe create emotional reactions, maybe create a lot of just negative thought patterns, maybe make us want to react or deal with it in a way that's not healthy. So I really think it's based on our reaction to things. And I also think that based on our reaction, for me, one of the things I try to do is if it's not something that's immediate that I have to do, then I'll come back to it tomorrow. Mm, Because I'll probably have a better way of dealing and I'll be in a place where it's still a lot, but I'm feeling good about moving through it. I think the part where it feels unhealthy is probably the place in our bodies that's telling us that's enough for now. You need to stop if possible. We need to pivot because right now, let me step away from this because this is probably not what needs to be happening right now, if possible. Yeah. And when we think about knowing things that will trigger us or things that would be stressful or things that we know are going to be difficult or even things that we know will put us in a negative mood. I'm wondering, are there tips or activities or habits that you can suggest that would help boost or impact someone's mood when they're taking that beat? I think sometimes preparation is helpful. So Mm -hmm. to your point, when you were talking about coaching and have you ever dealt with a difficult time before, a lot of the stressors are the things that trigger us. The reason why we know they trigger us because we've dealt with them before. And so really thinking through and maybe creating an action plan of, okay, how did I deal with that before? What worked? What didn't? 
And that's what I'm going to incorporate. And then as time goes on, because I know this is maybe a hot button for me, let me keep track of what worked and what didn't. So I have a few strategies to utilize. But I think using our history, what we've done, our experience is going to be the biggest lesson. I mean, there are things that people suggest all the time. So you can, you know, write lists, you can journal, you can talk to a friend. But I think really recognizing that we've had enough life experience to have experienced at least some of these stresses and to know what works. And I think that creates a sense of empowerment and onus for yourself that you may know better than anyone else what works for you. And leaning into that, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for the experiences we had, the tough things that have kind of taught us how we're able to move through and what we do best in what different situations. Yeah. Yeah. So when, because I know we've talked about resilience and we've talked about just seasons of change and the ebbs and flows and how that can be stressful. But when we start talking about new normals and coming out on the other side, what tips or suggestions would you give for somebody either struggling to embrace a new normal or even struggling to accept what a new normal is. Well, first of all, it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> yes. So acknowledging the fact that this is difficult. I think sometimes part of the difficulty is, why am I feeling like this? I should be excited. But it's okay to feel however you feel for whatever reason. You know, I think even in life, happy transitions and happy beginnings can still be scary because they're still new and they're still different. So I think that's the first piece. I think the other part is excitement. So what are the possibilities that could come from this? What newness am I looking forward to? What's something that may be able to be different now that I haven't been able to experience or that I've been looking forward to? What can I gain from this experience? And I think being in the moment. I think sometimes we think too far ahead and we're trying to, I know for me, I have a whole story in my head that never happened. So just being in the moment and really being able to enjoy this opportunity, I think is a big deal. I think a lot of us struggle with that right now. I'm just going to enjoy this and just be being present in each moment and not worrying so much about what could happen because the truth is you, you don't control that. But the here and now is good. And really trying to just savor those moments more than just projecting because then we're missing out on what's happening now because we're wondering about that next thing and then and it never stops. Yeah, I'm working on that. I am notorious for trying to plan and plan and then if things don't go the right way, I'm like, I am flustered. But and then it prevents me from being in the moment. And then I notice I'm most at peace and most happy when I am living in the moment. So I'm trying to work on that as well. Something else you said, which was Essentially, not all new normals need to be bad. Like it could be a positive thing and it may still feel a little scary because it's something we've not done before, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. And I like that you said that because it reminded me recently I was talking with somebody. And one thing that I always like to ask people too is we'll evolve, right? So why? Are we looking at this new normal as though it's not okay just because it's not what we're used to, right? Like COVID was traumatic for a lot of people. You may have a completely different view, outlook, friendships, whatever it is, job, you may have moved. Like There may be a completely different you in your life 
pre-COVID and post-COVID. And that's okay. You know, and for the new mom, you, who you were before becoming a mother is different than who you're going to be now. And that is okay. So a new normal does not have to mean that this is something bad or traumatic that happened and I'm trying to just drug my way through. It could be something to look forward to. It could be a whole new chapter, a whole new opportunity, something to be excited about. So I absolutely love that you say that. I think it's reframing for a lot of people as well, that it doesn't always have to be traumatic. Change can be something that is just, the unknown could be exciting. Absolutely. Different is not bad. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. One of the things that your practice is known for is just helping people find peace in every circumstance. Can you describe what that means? Sure. So one of the big things that I do are we do psychological evaluations, basically to assess people to figure out what's going on. So I think part of that piece is having answers to questions. I know that this doesn't feel right. You know, I'm struggling with learning. You know, sometimes or a lot of times having those conversations after the testing is over, we're going through the results, brings such a sense of peace and calm to people because these are things they've always known that no one listened. And now it's confirmation that I know that there's this thing. So now what do I do about it? I knew this was going on with my kid, but I needed it on paper. So there's such a peace in having an answer. We also have therapy. And so depending on what the issue is, relational or depression or anxiety, finding a way to address those things in your daily life and feeling some relief is also finding peace. So how do we help deal with what you're struggling with and give you some solutions that you're going to be able to use so that you feel much better when you leave here versus when you came? And that's what it means. It's almost like providing a sense of light, right? Because whenever we or have things going on, and we know that there's something going on, but we don't know what it is, how to describe it, what to name it. And then it just feels like we're sort of in this darkness. Look, I don't know what it is. How am I going to talk to somebody about it? I don't know what it is. How can I get support for it? And so being able to go to a practice to where they say, hey, everybody's different. Like, let's figure out what is going on with you. And then once we figure it out, it's like this light. It's like, oh, now I have, I could put a name to it. Now I know what's going on. Now we can talk about how to get through it. And that is provides hope, right? Like it's like the path forward has been illuminated is how I think about it anyways. Absolutely. Yeah. I know there's something and it validates that I was right and I'm ready to do something about it. So yeah, yeah. asking for help, it's powerful. It's very powerful. It's a clarity, it's validation, it's support. That's very, very important. Is there anything else that you would say to anyone who is struggling with either resilience uh, in the face of adversity or struggling with just a season of change at this time? Any words of encouragement or additional support? Well, you know, I like to think of courage as doing it scared. And so recognizing just how courageous you are to be on this journey in the first place. Again, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we do and the fact that we keep going and the fact that we've been able to achieve all these things in spite of all the things we've been through. I am so like in awe of a lot of the clients and the things that they've gone through. Even a lot of children who have been in foster care or have had such 
difficult childhoods. I'm like, I will never complain about anything. And yet they're still going. And so (laughs) understanding that difficulty is not always going to be, it's temporary, but courage is doing it scared. So it's okay if you're scared, but really remembering why you're doing what you're doing, knowing that you do have a purpose and there's a purpose for you being here. You're important. And so the world is waiting. So being excited about whatever that looks like and enjoying this life that we get to live. There's a lot of things that we are very blessed with that we take for granted. So taking some inventory of that as well. And what would you say to someone who would hear that and say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't have purpose. Maybe it's time for us to figure that out. Yeah. What are you passionate about? What are you excited about that you would do even if you wouldn't get paid? Like it really, you enjoy it. Yeah, we I agree. Don't. I think it's I think it's just figuring it out. And I heard a quote once. I think it may have been Carolyn Mays, but she said, "If you have life, you have purpose." Yeah. And if you are feeling like you don't know what that purpose is, like you said, it's just time yes. to figure it out. Yeah, but you do have purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. I love and that. Don't worry about what other people are doing. What you have to do is unique to you and there's something special that you have no matter if it's to be a speaker and there are 20 million speakers there's something special you have that no one else has so focus on that and stop looking at everyone else because you are one of one so be one of one beautiful and that goes back to the courage you said too i know sometimes being courageous i still struggle with that doing it scared is something i push myself to do every day and it is terrifying But I push myself to do it because I know that's what growth is. Absolutely. But I think when I'm talking to people and they're talking about courageous and being, you know, how do I gain courage? I think that's what it is. Exactly what you just said is to realize your uniqueness. Mm -hmm. Hone in on what makes you you because we're all unique for a reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you should be proud of yourself. You're pushing yourself to do the hard things. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And celebrating those wins. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Gaynor, I am so, so, so thankful that you came on to talk about this. This is such a passionate subject of mine. I could talk about it forever. So thank you so much for coming on. And I know if uh, people want to reach you, they can reach you at your website, drbriannagaynor.com. They can also go on the website for peaceofmindpsychology.com and look at our services. So there's a contact us so they can send any questions they have over there as well. And then on Instagram, it's Peace of Mind Psychology or Dr. Gainer Speaks. So either one. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. You too. Thank you so much for having me. That's all we have for today. All contact information for Dr. Gainer will be listed in the show notes. Remember to stay true to yourself. Trust your intuition. Give yourself space when you need it. Seek help when you need it. Persevere. Do not give up and stay resilient. Until next time. I thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate it or leave a review. If you have any thoughts or questions, I would love to hear from you. You can email podcast at corehappiness.com. For show notes and additional resources, you can visit www.corehappiness.com. As always, please remember, never let anyone diminish your light. Until next time, sending you my love.